Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming outside me today. Today on today's podcast episode, we have Sean Teed, who is not only lethal with the bow, but also with his fists. We'll get him to introduce himself in a moment. But first and foremost, if you would like to be on the podcast, being part of the Average Jack Archery podcast system, where we are out here doing podcasts for the average bow hunter, just like you at home and me sitting in front of this microphone. If you want to be a part of it, follow the links in the description of the podcast. Hit me up on my email, averagejackarchery at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook. Always leave a comment here or on YouTube as well. I will definitely get back to you and we'll get you on the show. But today's show, representing the great state of New Jersey, is Sean Teed. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you today? I'm doing well, buddy. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for the folks at home? Because like I've been saying off the podcast before this all started, you're the first MMA fighter I've ever met that also wants to shoot a bow. So introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit of your background, the, the professional background, but also the archery connection as well. Yeah, my name is Sean Teed. I'm uh, a professional MMA fighter. I, uh, I'm pro for about five, six years. I'm uh, currently the CFFC heavyweight champion, which is about the biggest league on you know the East Coast, for at least. Um, yeah, I'm just really into archery. I pretty much am a self-taught guy. Um, you know, being a professional athlete actually probably helped a lot, you know, in that, uh, met a lot of people along the way, you know, uh, ethics, archery, you know, I got linked up with PSC. Um, actually recently I just got linked up with uh, lone wolf custom gear. So I'll be using all their stuff this year. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to be on it because it's, it helps me stay focused with fighting because fighting is just all go and archery is kind of like you got to take your time on some things and think through some things and you know in mma it's that split second like i'm going to throw this punch and archery it's kind of like eh, maybe i won't shoot this you know i'll let right. this move a little <laughs> bit but uh so it's two totally different worlds and it kind of keeps me right at that center point you know i archery keeps me real mellow I would say you know it's different than somebody trying to you know punch you in the face and try to kill you so uh I don't get as nervous when I'm shooting a deer everybody talks about this uh buck fever and stuff right, like all that. the nerves like, yeah like two years ago my buddy shot a buck and actually threw up afterwards because oh. <laughs> uh, he was like so <laughs> crazy about it and I'm like standing there looking at him like do I need to call somebody? Like, are yeah. you okay? Like, I don't get like that. You know, I still get very excited, but you know, I don't have that like double vision, heart pounding, you know, buck fever everybody talks about. Right. So I, so I guess then like, you know, as you've already kind of brought it up a little bit that the, the obvious connection for you is that it's, it's a, it's an unwind, it's a cool down, it's a relaxation type of thing, but do you still find that you're competitive you bring that competitive nature of the MMA side, either with yourself or with others when it comes to pushing yourself to be better as a hunter or as, or as just an archer in general, do you still find you have that type of drive or is it still just kind of like a, you know what, gosh, darn it. I'm just going to sit down and just relax. I don't care if I hit the target or not. I'm just unwinding for the day. No, I'm a competitive athlete. I've been, uh, you know, in sports since I was like five, I started wrestling at five. So like, it's, it's in me. I don't like to lose at dominoes. You know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> if I can, if I can, I don't care if I'm versus a five-year-old kid at a video game, I'm going to crush you. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's my thing. That's, that's the biggest thing with archery is 
you know, there's always somebody that's better than you at it. And, you know, you can never be perfect. You know, right. you can never shoot that Robin Hood every single solitary time, you know. So it's, it, it is a challenge. It's just a different type of skill set that I really enjoy. And so I guess that my question then coming off, you know, so you have the competitive side, of course, and you said that the one has definitely helped the other in terms of the winding down and focusing on each individual shot instead of that split second decision, you know, this guy's going to punch me in the face since everybody at home can't see it. Sean is a huge man. Like I talk about on my channel, I'm six, four, he's bigger than me. Uh, you know, he's a heavyweight, uh, heavyweight fighter, go into his Instagram and you'll see a lot of his, uh, his stuff there as well as a lot of him shooting a bow. And so what I want to talk about next in terms of how, you know, our size, we get to cheat when it comes to pulling larger weights, 50, 60, 70 pounds. But when you started, because you told me, you know, you're a little bit newer to the bow hunting side, you know, probably about five, six years now. When you started out, did you have to start at a lower weight of drawing a bow? Because it's a totally different thing than, you know, trying to, you know, do bench press, push-ups, that sort of stuff. Did you have to start lower? Or did you just add eh, 70 pounds and you just ripped it? Yeah, I just went full, like, oh, crank it down. You know? Just cranking it. I, just... uh, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I've always been a big guy. You know, I uh, I was that guy in high school that was, like, over six foot, you know, being freshman year and stuff right, like that. Right. So I've always been a big guy and pretty, you know, you know, I don't know, masculine. I got to try to, you know, pull super hard. But uh, it, it is different. You can actually feel like I had shoulder surgery and stuff like that. When I okay. first came off, I had labrum surgery. And it's not my drawing arm, it's my stabilizing arm. arm. So I could, yeah. I could tell that there was a little bit of difference. So I turned it down when I first had that done. But from there, I, you know, crank it up. How many twists can you put in it? You know, yeah. you know, stuff kind of like that. Um, you know, if they were, uh, if they were going to let me shoot 80 pounds, like my, my shop recommended me for to not shoot 80 pounds yeah. with my drawing. <laughs> Cause they're like, you're going to explode every arrow. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're going to need like a 100 so, spine. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna need a steel rebar. Is yeah, what I'm gonna need to shoot. Um, so they were like, "No, you can't do it." And my buddy was like, "You know, I'm not putting it past like 73, 75. That's for yeah. your stay." Yeah. You know? So, you know, hey, kudos for him for not letting me explode a carbon arrow in my hand. You know, yeah, it's but, yeah uh, it, that is positive. And I guess so. Then you know, because somebody, you know, somebody like me, I always know that I'm I'm overkill, right? 31 inches. And I kind of part of it. That's why I only like shoot like 60 pounds, A, because of the shoulder thing. You know, I've never had shoulder surgery. I didn't do a whole lot of violent sports growing up as a kid. Um, and so like 60 pounds at 31 inches doesn't really matter the arrow weight almost at that point. You're blowing through. And, you know, you're from New Jersey. I'm from PA. We're, you know, state neighbors. Our does in particular don't just don't get that big. And if you're shooting a, a relatively moderate heavy arrow, which we get without trying, which we'll talk about in a little bit, it just blasts right through them and, and we don't have an issue. But I want to go back to the um to the to the manliness here, but to the fine motor skills, right? So there's a lot of fine motor skills, obviously, in the in the MMA, even though it, it looks like a lot of gross motor with the kicking and the and the swinging and then the takedowns and everything. And I'm a big college wrestling fan. Penn State is, you know, very close to me. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Ed Ruth, um, Phil Davis, those kind of guys that went on to go to, to be fighters. I love watching their stuff because it's just so cool to see all that. But there's a lot of fine motor skill that goes into wrestling. And I'm a guess into the MMA as well. Do you notice that the fine motor from that or the fine motor skills from the archery of the, the grip of the bow and the balance of the bow and 
working through the back tension. Do you notice that that was something that you picked up on easily because it was something you had to do? Or was it just like, oh my gosh, holding this five pound bow feels like I'm holding 40 pound bow and you're just bouncing all over the place. Kind of when you first started. Oh, when I first started, yeah, you had that like, you know, I don't know how to rub my belly in my head at the same time, uh, <laughs> you know, motion. But, you know, as it, you know, goes back to me, like wanting to be good at something, you know, if I, if I do anything, I want to be good at it. So it, you know, taking time to practice and stuff like that, you know, going to shops, talking to people, you know, going on YouTube with people like having your channel and stuff like right. that, being able to look at things and, you know, it's that like aha moment. You like watch a video. It doesn't even particularly have to be like what the video is about. Sometimes you just put like random nuggets in there and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what I was missing. You know, the rhomboid muscle. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. You know, like, <laughs> You know, so it's one of the, it's one of those things. That's how I started. You know, it kind of me not growing up in it. I didn't like grow up with bad habits. You know, some people are pulling way too much weight to where they're pointing at the ceiling to, you know, draw or pointing at the ground, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, me being self-taught, I learned things the hard way. So I learned what didn't work like immediately because I was missing targets and, you know, right. hitting, hitting my shed and stuff like that. So, you know. <laughs> It uh, it made me like have to do my research, so that I was lucky on that part. Yeah. So, um, in terms, I guess, thinking of like first starting out, and of course you're mentioning the bow hunting, and you you we talked about it before the podcast that you know you didn't grow up into it. So why did you go from? I mean, at your age, you all of a sudden just now I want to start bow hunting. That's not very common, at least up here in the Northeast, I guess. You know, Pennsylvania, yeah. New York, New Jersey, there's a lot of deer hunting and particularly in Pennsylvania, it's ingrained into your blood. It's, you know, it's a, it's a cultural thing, you know, for us in PA, it's the, the Monday after Thanksgiving has been the opening of firearm season. We call it the orange army, you know, cause you have to wear the blaze yeah. orange for safety. And, but you at, at your age, you know, we're roughly the same, a, a same age, you now past five, six years, like, yeah, I just, I think, I think bow hunting is going to be the next new thing. So what was it? Was it the bow? Was it the harvest of the animal? Was it you wanted payback because they're eating all the shrubs in your yard? Like what was the what was the the catalyst there? Um, it was you know I shotgun hunted a, a little bit when I was younger. wasn't really into it because like I shotgun rifle hunted a little bit, not in New Jersey because there's no rifle in New Jersey. Right. But you know I uh, I never really got like into it. So like when I was, you know, early twenties, I was talking to my one buddy, he was talking about hunting and I was like, oh, you know, I know about hunting and he was talking about bow hunting and I never really had, you know, that like light bulb moment went off. It was like, oh, that's awesome. So I went and watched some YouTube videos. This was in like, um, I don't even know what year it was, but there was like a lot of Cameron Haynes videos that year. Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I went and watched a bunch of his videos and, uh, you're, you know, it was like, oh my God, this is crazy this guy's shooting about 140 yards you know kind of stuff you know um you know like watching him you know john dudley stuff um joe rogan got really into it now recently um you know seeing stuff like that was like you know i really want to try this and then literally like the next week i went and bought a bow off of craigslist um didn't know about draw length and stuff like that so i bought the wrong bow yeah um <laughs> sold that bow bought a bow from a shop um, and then, you know, got it all set up and stuff like that. And then hunt it with, it was a BR 33 bear. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I hunted with that for I want to say two years, something like that. Probably okay. killed like fifteen deer with it. Honestly. Oh my, good. really? Yeah, I uh, I it was the loudest twang I of like any bow I've ever had. Yeah, it sure. Is it is, you yeah, know? but uh, you know, I, my first season I killed like seven, eight deer, something like that. You no know? kid. Like that's crazy. I'm like. It's New Jersey. It's unlimited yeah. dough. Literally, anytime they step out, I'm going to shoot it. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. For the listeners uh, that don't know, New Jersey is a incredibly target-rich environment when it comes to the yeah. whitetail woods. And particularly, the closer you get to New York City and Philadelphia, because of all of the urbanization, there's a lot of encroachment of deer. And I don't know, Sean, have you ever seen, um, oh, it's his name's i think it's tyler at the urban hunt he hunts down in uh like the washington dc virginia area he's on youtube you gotta sure. check him out he hunt he kills like 100 deer a year and they're all does in like people's backyards like right next to the kiddie pool he's whacking a doe like it's amazing so you you have you have what i really wish i could have just unlimited target it's just it's yeah. just, it just sounds awesome well you, you'll have to come over well i'll invite you over and stuff like that but uh so like now i have access my buddy uh the one that actually originally got me to bow hunt the guy that had that conversation with me his best friend has a like 400 and some acre farm up north that they do corn and stuff like that and he's like whatever you want i can hunt bear up there now oh my know, okay everything so it's uh pretty awesome yeah so I, I i got lucky with that one you know and our in our uh, new jersey license is pretty reasonable in terms of price for a resident for a resident yeah it's like under 100 bucks oh is it really okay yeah and that's basically unlimited doe tags and probably i'd imagine yep. a couple antlered tags yeah so you be, you get one antlered per season and early season around here it's earn a buck so okay. We, I think we open, we open super early and we close super late too. I think we open like September 18th or something oh, like okay. that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do open early. And then we close like February 15th or something. Like it's such a long oh, man. You know, season <laughs> to where like I, I've passed on does in February. I'm like, that doe's definitely pregnant. You know, I'm yeah, not going yeah, to shoot right. that one, you know. Yeah. Now with, so I know how much meat that my family goes through. Now, of course, you're weightlifting and exercising, doing a whole bunch more protein intake than I normally would. But 15 deer is a lot of deer. Are you processing them all? I know that here in PA, we have a pretty good Hunters for the Harvest kind of program. Is that something you're doing, or are you taking all of that meat throughout the year? So I full butcher process all my own stuff. Um, make beef jerky, stuff like that. And I actually end up giving it to a lot of teammates, um, you know, for their camps and stuff like that, you know, sure. especially like in fight camp at six weeks set, you know, some people are nine weeks of just hundred percent eating super clean, no processed stuff, no soda, no beer, no nothing like that. All the good stuff, you know, a lot I have. So having something where I can be like, all right, you know, here's 40 pound, you know, of deer, you know, whatever it is if it's you know butchered up or, you know or backstrap or chunk whatever i'm giving them you know it's because i'm not eating all that meat i don't have a big enough freezer for that stuff. right and i'm pretty right. sure my fiance would kill me if she came home and my entire freezer was just all deer i have know? three freezers in my house and at least one and a half of them are full of venison at the end yeah. of every single year it's just how it has to work <laughs> yeah that's awesome so 
Um, going back to the beef jerky thing real quick, do you have a particular thing that you love to do? Because I mean, it's not like you don't have a, a, a plus, like I can't screw up my meat right here in PA. We really only get one, maybe two deer tags a year, right? Yeah. We get one antler tier tag and then we can put in uh, for a first come first serve on a, on a doe tag. So like, I don't have the ability to like try like 57 different dishes or try this jerky recipe because if it sucks i just wasted all of that meat that i don't i can't like go out back and shoot another dough because i have unlimited tags yeah. so do you have one way that like if you were stuck eating venison in this particular form like you'd be totally cool with it for like the next 20 years for beef jerky wise yeah um, is that like so is that like your main go-to like that's like my thing like sausage jerky like that type of stuff just oh that's what i get wound up about when it comes to venison no like like that's not my big thing okay. like i love beef jerky but it's just like so much salt and stuff like yeah. that i just in my especially being a heavyweight like people don't realize i'm six five like 270 like i still like i'm not a fat guy at all by no any means. right right and i still have to cut weight to make 265 sometimes yeah. like you know so me eating you know a thousand milligrams of sodium isn't isn't good for me so i i'm big like you know i love steaks i love marinating and different things you know coming up with stuff you know high vinegar content stuff you know or if it's sorry about that or if it's you know barbecue sauce kind of things you know i love all that different kind of stuff you know i'm a big salad guy you know yeah i, I put venison over salad all the time you know yeah so well you got you can't you you can't you can't be putting barbecue venison on pizza like I do. Like that's my problem. Like it's the protein, but then it's all the carbohydrates on the back end. <laughs> yeah, especially right now, out of camp, I'll crush it. I don't care. Yeah. But like in camp, I'm like, uh, you know, the only carbs I have is I have a cup and a half of oatmeal for breakfast. That's it. That's yeah. my carbs for the day. Like, and you measure that out, like cup and yeah. a half, like that's cup it. Cup and a half. That's cup and awesome. a half. A uh, tablespoon of peanut butter and some cinnamon. That's there my breakfast know. every single day. That's pretty good. Well, it keeps you regular at the very least. <laughs> now, when it's yeah, coffee um, is good for that too. Yeah. So you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned camp. Does that and now granted your season's so long and probably your actual uh like meaning your hunting season, but actually your fight season, like how many fights are you preparing for in an average, you know, fight season, if you will? Like how many do you typically have? And do they kind of like does hunting get in the way of fighting or just, or vice versa, or are they pretty spread out apart from each other? Well, fighting is my main career. Um, yeah, obviously. So I, like, obviously hunting doesn't get in the way of that. It has, um, like, you know, I've fought a bunch of times in like middle of November, which sucks. Um, but it's like, Oh, I can't hunt at all. Cause I'm in camp and I like, I'll hunt in the beginning of my camps but my camps are, I'm a heavyweight, so I don't like super long camps. So about six, seven weeks is normally my kind of camp. So I, uh, I'll hunt for about the first two weeks and then it's just all, you know, put your blinders on, just worried about my fight. You know, that's, I mean, that's what you have to do to compete at a super high level. Yeah. And how many, how many fights do you have to prepare for in a year? Just out of my own curiosity. Well, it depends. Cause you know, uh, if I get hurt in a fight, you know, I can't take a fight quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, this fight will be my 10th fight. I've been pro for about the same amount of time that I've been bow hunting, like four okay. or five years, somewhere, okay. somewhere in that range. Um, so I fought pretty, pretty regularly. And don't forget in that time period, I took a year off for my shoulder surgery. 
So I was, I was fighting like three, four times a year. Um, you know, I'm good at what, what I do, you know, all six, you know, I'm six, two and one. Um, and all six are, you know, first or second round early finishes. Uh, you know, obviously I have two losses and then one, I went to a draw, but that was my first fight after my shoulder surgery. So I was kind of like a little gun shy. Yeah. And then I need the guy. What it wasn't in the balls, but the ref thought it was in the balls, so he took a point. <laughs> so it it is what it is. Like you punched me in the shoulder, Dad. Got me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was a big fat guy, so he had like a real okay. big belly. So oh, I need him okay. in like the edge of the belly, but it was like hanging over his dick, apparently. Yeah. So, so it, it is what it is. It is what it is. That's yeah. terrible. So, so speaking of let's 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 transition away from a bit me and the guy in the groin but um we talked earlier before the podcast started that you even though and you've been doing this for such a short time you've already found a pretty good affiliation with a bow shop but also some really recognizable names in the industry so why don't you tell us about that a little bit with those two big names that you're starting to work with actually three now and um uh as well as the uh, bow shop that you're doing stuff with yeah so the bow shop um aces and arrows from las vegas um i got connected to them through one of my main training partners Corey anderson uh he's one of like a top five ufc guy for 205 um so i got involved with him it was kind of like you know i'm the i like i know these guys hey this is my buddy you know kind of thing so i kind of got like grouped in with that which i'm super that's super awesome of him to help me out like that area so you know and then me and the guy were like became really really good friends so that grew into like going into like a psc deal and stuff like that and getting their bows and stuff which is awesome um and then actually i got the lone wolf customs deal um through Corey also because um his wife is is cody's cousin <laughs> oh okay so it was like that <laughs> they, that random thing so we went to uh the great American outdoor show. We go like every year. So we went and I talked to him and, you know, told him about my fighting and we worked out something, you know, like a, like a exchange deal kind of. Um, and then uh, ethics, you know, I recently just signed a, a pro staff deal with those guys and uh, couldn't be more happy with, you know, just the amount that, you know, of, just transparency and communication that those guys have had with me speaks worlds. You know, the fact, besides the fact that they're like a veteran company and stuff like that, which is super close to home for me, um, big family, like family and stuff like that, military police, you know, it, it super hits home to me. I walk out with the American flag and stuff like that. So, you know, those guys have been really, really awesome so far. And we just start working, you know, not too long ago with each other, which speaks volumes for that company too. So with uh, because I'm the I'm the bow and arrow freak. The PSC PSCs I had a PSC years ago, but I have not touched their new stuff like at all. There, what is there? So you're doing what is the NTN? There's the yes. NTN and the NTX. Which one's the John Dudley version? The NTN. So you've got the Dudley version with the flow green and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the reason I want that is because I'm a huge flow green fan. Just just. I love- just in general, regardless of him, I just loved that color scheme. My old bows actually had flow green strings and everything on them already. Oh, so it was just it was just a yeah. perfect mesh over. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, when it comes to big guys like you and me, that's what 33 and change axle to axle or something like that. Yes. Do you enjoy the string angle from like that 33 inch? Cause you're at 31 inches of draw length. So like that string will get pretty acute if you're using that something that's like 30 to 31 inches, but that one's a little bit longer. Yeah. So I like that one better. The 33 better than I liked the, I had the carbon stealth, which was 35. Okay. Um, so I like the string angle in the 33 better because it's not so like big. Um, because, but it like narrows it down just a smidge, which I really like. I don't run into, I just started running the Bomar nose button. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, it changes things actually like that's it's different you know because you ever go to put your kisser and all of a sudden you're like fletching like touches your lip or something like that you know if you have it cocked wrong um so i don't run into that issue in, anymore because that's just annoying it's just more things touching my face that i don't like um so that works it's been consistent with that and that changes where you kind of put your face a little bit too because you're not so so sucked in you kind of can just go and it's more consistent for me. I got a big head and a big nose, you know, stuff yeah. is different, you know. <laughs> and you're running, are you, I imagine you're probably trying different types of releases with that Bose too. You're not just running index. You might be trying a thumb or a hinge. So I originally started with just like the, the finger release. Um, and like they have pros and then the thumb that I run, I run a, uh, I've been shooting a stand prefix long neck. Okay um super smooth you definitely have to adjust the trigger pressure because you could like look at that thing and it goes off oh yeah yeah so uh i've been running that uh just because i found it was more consistent and plus i during like late season and stuff like that i have to wear gloves so unless you have that glove that has like that big open pocket to right put it in through, the wrist. Yeah. Yeah. You're always like put it over there and then it just feels weird because it's pulling forward. So like the thumb release was good because I hunt a lot of late season. So that's what worked for me. So that's what I've stuck with so far. And did you find I have to ask because, you know, I don't have the world's biggest hands either, but we're both big, dude. I mean, you got probably bigger hands than I did. You have a problem like this release feels small in my hand or it feels too big. Like I don't, I'm unfamiliar with Stan. We don't have them. They're not real popular out in my area. We're more of a true ball and um, Scott stuff around here. But was that Stan, was that a good fit for you? Did you have to try a couple different thumb buttons in terms of their whole size before you settled on that Stan? Or was it a, it was, it was a love at first sight kind of thing? Um, well, the thing about the Stan is it's really customizable. Um, you can go from it being like a three finger to a four finger, um, different barrel types, like almost everything those thing is changeable on that the barrel, the post that the barrel attaches to, they come with like five different lengths of that. Oh my. Okay. Um, you know, you can adjust everything from, you know, the trigger, you know, yada, 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 the, you can make it so that the the finger wells are all the way back here or they're all the way up here with like a, with a set screw and stuff like that. So essentially if it, with the long neck, it's a little bit wider. So it fits my hand good. So essentially you basically there and then you customize everything else. Okay. So that for those, for the, the thumb, the index and the middle finger, and then the ring and the pinky were a lot yeah. of the, the 
people start freaking out. It doesn't feel comfortable. You've got almost infinite adjustability with that. Yeah. Cause it comes with different pieces and you can adjust sit, set the angle and I'll do all that. Right. Different things. So a lot of trial and error feeling with, perfectly feels comfortable because you can put it in your hand and it might feel comfortable there but all of a sudden at full draw you're like okay that's right. that hurts my pinky you know yeah. or, and are you so are you shooting as a four finger or are you shooting as a as a three so i shoot as a three okay because i found with the four i was starting to torque a little bit because i was trying to like close my hand like i was closing my fist um so it was close it was like cinching down a lot more so i found when i was just shooting here i kind of like let these fingers like you know like you're drinking fancy tea or something yeah, like right. that yeah, yeah, just yeah. Stick, stick it out there so you know a little bit of fanciness to it yeah i gotta keep it nice and relaxed and that's something that i've had a lot of people recently they're trying to like cure target panic or they're just trying want to try new things and they're talking about how they're just gripping the release to death. They're trying to thumb button or they're trying to hand you grip it because they, they're afraid to let go and have it fly off, you know, and hit the bow or have them come back and hit them in the face. That's why I keep telling people the fancy tea analogy is good, but I just tell them that pinky finger has to be the most relaxed one, even if you're shooting as a four, because, you know, I shoot three fingers. I can't, I can't fit my whole hand in a four. Um, so I like to shoot three fingers. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up as someone who's newer to the, to the sport in general that when you switch over to thumb or hinge, you got to be careful with your uh, hand pressure. So I would be remiss because as I said off air before this podcast started that you and I get to have heavy arrows without even trying. And so I would be remiss if we didn't at least take a few minutes to talk about that. Cause you're even thinking of going like single bevel, like full off the deep end. So give us your current hunting arrow setup or at least the one that you're going to be building for this fall if you're changing from last year. So the the hunting arrow that I'm using for this coming season is going to be a 240 grizzly stick with a ethics archery insert outsert system. Um, probably going probably a hundred or a 125 head. I haven't chosen a single head, uh, an actual like company yet. Um, so probably going to go single bevel. You know, there's some other one stuff. Dave sent me like five different ones to try out. The Kudu broadheads were in there. So I'm going to definitely try those out because those are single bevel too. Um, so probably look uh, looking for like 650, 700, like big daddy arrows. You Straight know? up street legal stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Street exactly. legal Ashby there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I was already running a kind of a heavy arrow. Well, heavy arrow to most people. Um, you know, I was running a 550 with a hundred grain tip and like a 50 grain outsert. So like, it's not really much I put on my arrow to be at 550, but my arrow is like, what, 32 inches or whatever it is. Right. Know, inch draw. Almost a full so, length shaft. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm grains per inch is a lot because of that. So, you know, I've passed through everything else, you know, and I've been shooting the tripans and stuff like that, but, you know, going up that much of an arrow i'm really worried about breaking that kind of stuff you know the ferrule coming apart you know hitting something solid and not getting penetration but like deflection because it's so much or you know breaking stuff like that's not i don't want i don't want to happen you know shoot a deer and it just looks like the ferrule went through it that's not something that i want to do i want something that you know i'm shooting like a solid piece of tool steel out of it so right. you know that's yeah what that I want. That was something we had we had talked about off air was you know whenever i'd shot mechanic because i've you know we can cheat you know we have 31 inch draw lengths you know uh sean's shooting over 70 pounds i'm shooting 60 pounds but even out of a moderately 
speed bow, the momentum and kinetic energy we're making is just like insane. And we're not even trying, like we're not throwing in extra super crazy heavy inserts or, or big broad hits up front, just the overall grains per inch of the arrow. You know, I, I have shot Eastern axis in the past. That's over 10. Uh, I imagine that grizzly stick 240 has got to be 12, at least in the 11s. Because uh, uh, grizzly stick does not make light arrows. So without an insert, without a outsert insert system or anything like that, the arrow just by itself with a hundred grain field tip is like five seventy two. <laughs> yeah, they're they're big. That is awesome. And those yeah. are those the tapered shafts. Yeah, so they start at okay. like six millimeter and go to four millimeter. Okay. So. And for those of you listening that don't understand, that means that the front end of the arrow is thicker than the back end, meaning that as the arrow, the idea is that as the arrow is passing through the animal, that less and less friction and surface area, the further and further it penetrates, which is obviously what you want. But that's awesome. That is a heavy stinking arrow. Yeah. Like that's gonna go through everything. And I and I just can't I can't imagine all the poor whitetail does of new jersey the poor little like 90 pound whitetails that have no idea what's going to hit them um but that's just that's freaking awesome um but i will say as someone who has always shot heavier arrows even though you know we've shot mechanicals you and me in the past was there ever a point though when we're still kind of shooting these heavier arrows without even trying you know high 400s low 500s that you were that you still experienced issues where you're like this could be better and that's why you want to push to more 600, 650, or is it more of a tinkerer's, I just kind of got to know? Um, it's more of like this year I'm adding bear to the table and stuff like that. Okay. And, you know, bear aren't hard to kill. Like that, they're not. People really think because it's a bear, they have like this image of them like tearing a car in half or something. But uh, like they're not, they're squishy, you know. To them, especially up in North Jersey, like, deer hunting and for a while there we were carrying uh, like blunt tips with us and when they would come to our bait pile we'd zap them in the ass with the, the thing and they would run off because they would sit in your bait pile and eat it until your bait pile was gone because you can bait in new jersey so uh you know like stuff like that like i haven't really had an issue but flip-flopping about i had a buddy that was shooting almost the same setup as me and his expandable didn't go off about a year ago. And it was just a closed wound channel. Like we found the deer, he comes a good shot. He ended up hard shooting this deer, but it was closed. So we, when we were butchering the deer, we were able to follow where the arrow went and it didn't open. Um, he was actually shooting, he wasn't shooting the tripan. He was shooting Grim Reaper, something like that, front, front deploy. Um, and it was literally just like a borehole through it through the, so animal. Like the, yeah. So that was like one of those things that I'm like, all right, you know, we, I got to start looking at something else because the last thing I want is luckily, you know, it was silver lining. He had a great shot. You know, you can't make up for bad shots with broadheads. You know, that's the biggest thing with people like, you know, I want to shoot, you know, like the white tail special, I think's four inches cutting diameter, you know, but try shoving that through like a shoulder or something like that unless you're hitting something perfectly broadside you know texas hard shot style or something like that you know it uh <laughs> it's it's not it's not gonna work so now talking to bruce stuff like that from ethics archery he uh 
he like I said, he made me jump down that rabbit hole. And me, I'm a I'm a student. As a fighter, you're still a student. As you know, wanting to progress yourself in archery to maybe, you know, like this year I'm going to start filming my hunts and stuff like that. You know, to start promoting people and do stuff like that. So you know, you don't want to jump in things half ass. So jumping down that rabbit hole, I've learned so much within the, like the last two weeks that I've learned more than the last five years that I've been hunting. So it's it, it's paid off, you know, talking to those guys, setting things up and just what it actually does it's not just you know you think oh you know i can't shoot as far you know is that 200 grains really that that big of a difference and yeah it actually is in your mind you don't think it is but as soon as you start getting into like that knowing about foc and stuff like that and the broadhead dragging the arrow instead of the arrow pushing the broadhead you know you start getting into like down that you know that wonderland rabbit hole. It's just, it all of a sudden you're like, wow, I didn't really know what I was talking about, you know? Right. So it just seems like it makes more sense. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's been good. You know, I, I really appreciate the people, you know, Dave, you know, watching stuff like you guys, you know, finding about, out about that kind of things. So it really, really helps. And if people just take the time to actually put that into use, with the information that's already out there, it will make you a million times better hunter. You know, you won't track your animals as far, you know, and not even just that, like you will trust your setup. That's the biggest thing is that like, am I scared? Cause deer is angling a little bit hard. I don't know if I can hit it perfect or if I'm gonna nick that shoulder a little bit, you know, is my, arrow going to be a little bit high if the deer jumps my string a little bit you know you don't want any of that thought you know i just want to basically just point and shoot i don't have to have any other thoughts about it you know? right so right never have a hesitation of of having to wait having to turn now we don't want to make unethical shots but we never can plan for those moments i mean every deer that i've shot in the past i want to say four or five years were not what I planned in my head. It was not. Last year, I couldn't get a doe to stop moving. The buck I shot was at eight yards. You know, what pin am I using at eight yards? You know, I'm 15 feet up a tree. You know, before then, I had a buck at five yards. I had to shoot straight down through them. None of these were things that I planned out in advance. And you have to have a bow and arrow setup that is going to forgive you on the shot, but then also help you in an uh, in or a disadvantageous or an inadvantageous uh, penetration point because you hit a scapula with you know as Troy would say a flapper and a twizzler and and you're up the creek without a paddle you know and and for a lot of people that you know going back to the olden days when we sh used to shoot aluminum arrows we had no idea we were shooting 500 550 grains we just screwed on a broadhead and just went for it and you and I shooting bigger arrows just in general although you're you're really trying it there with that grizzly stick we just, we never knew anything else, you know? And so I think it's cool to have the perspective that even though you do get to cheat and I get to cheat, still going above and beyond just the average gives you above average results. And I think that's a very important thing for people who are in their first five, six years of bow hunting, just like you are, to understand that because it really does, it really changes a lot of things and makes you more successful. 
I think the last thing I'm going to ask you here, and then we'll wrap up the episode. But the last thing I want to ask you is about the hunting in New Jersey, because I'm I'm unfamiliar with the hunting in New Jersey, um, and particularly when it comes to new hunters coming in, because this is something I've got a lot of people from across the country. I'm very blessed in Pennsylvania. We have like a million, a million and a half public acres of land, right? But you have your buddy who has 400 acres, right? That's an awesome thing to have. I don't have that. I have to do DIY public stuff. So I'm hunting out of a saddle. I'm hiking a mile in, that sort of stuff. In your area, did you start out hunting on private land or is there public in New Jersey for you to go take a stab at and learn by yourself? Well, no, like I, uh, that hunting on that property is awesome, but it's still two hours away from where I live. So that's not where I always hunted. So there is a lot of public property in New Jersey. Okay. Like majority, I want to say about 90% of like state parks you can hunt, you know, they have hunting areas, stuff like that. Um, You know, so there's a lot of people don't realize that New Jersey has a lot of state parks and a lot of areas that are, you know, townships. And as long as the township is like, you can discharge because in New Jersey, a bow counts as technically a firearm. Okay. So like, if it's a no discharge zone, you can't even shoot your bow. So like, that's what it counts because in New Jersey, it's like, if it can shoot something, it's a firearm, you know, it's whatever it is. So as long as like your township allows you to do that, um, you can pretty go to much to like any public land that they're allowed to in, in your state or like in your uh, town, that's what I meant. So, like, if you have a township that owns, you know, 70 acres and it's just all woods, yeah, it might be good to make a phone call. Like, hey, can I hunt back there? You might have somebody who goes like, well, why did you think you could hunt back there? You know? Yeah, right. But it's better than having a conversation with them than like a game warden walking up right. together. Right, in the parking lot while you're yeah, standing you're with. crap in your pants, <laughs> you know. Um, even when you don't do anything wrong, those guys are the scariest people. I'd rather see a bear in the woods than him. I know. I know. <laughs> and there are such good people that, like yeah. I said, there's so like, I, is the hunter density in New Jersey pretty bad? Like in terms, I shouldn't say bad. Like it's good to have hunters because they're, they're, um, licensed sales supports conservation, but do you have a pretty good amount of hunters in your area of New Jersey? It- I would say it's more North Jersey. Like I'm from like central South Jersey um, originally and up North is very, very common. Like in central to South Jersey, like bow hunting is super rare, actually. Um, you're more running to people doing shotgun, you know, muzzleloader kind of stuff like that. But uh, I, yeah, it, it's been getting more, more popular but at the same time, we've also been like, you know, they were going to cancel the bear hunts because of, you know, activists and, you know, we don't want people hunting in New Jersey, you know, kind of things, you know. So we were running into that stuff, which kind of gets people to back off from it a little bit. But like, I get as many people to hunt as I can. Like, I've gotten five people this year before this hunting season, like during quarantine, I've gotten five people to like order bows and get bows set up and like, you know, teaching them how to shoot. Cause like, I'm to the point where like, I have these awesome connections. Why wouldn't I pass these along to people now? So, um, you know, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that because I have a, I'm have a platform, not just a hunter platform. I have a platform for MMA that I'm trying to move more in, have hunting stuff on there. So, you know, if I can take people from that platform and show them this other platform and then take on hunting because they saw me fletching arrows or, 
you know, doing your, a podcast with you or something like that. That's what I really want. I want to pass something along because if you affect one person, that's, Hey, I did my job. Right. There goes the ripple effect. And I think that's, that's so important for young. I, I say young. And when I say young, I mean those that are newer into the sport to bring in other newer people into the sport, because it's easy for me to say, Oh yeah, come hunt. It's simple. It's easy. I've been doing it for, this will be my 17th year, you know, so on and so forth. And they're like, yeah, you've been doing it for 17 years, right? You're not going to convince me to go get, jump in a ring and try to punch another guy in the face because it's not going to happen. But look here, I'm bringing, I'm bringing this organic meat into my home and into my life. I'm enjoying the outdoors. I get to have this nice unwind time of shooting a bow, all these wonderful things. And that's awesome. I, I really had a fear. Like I said, I, I don't pay attention to game laws and how it looks much in the Northeast. It's awesome that there is that much public access or public available land in New Jersey because I kind of had the envision that um, it'd be more like the South area, you know, very urbanized, very privatized. I have a good buddy of mine that lives in Northern Virginia and it's a lot of private, you know, he's, he's doing all of this going and knocking on door stuff because he just doesn't have the public access to him. So it's awesome to hear that people in New Jersey can get that access, particularly for bow hunting, because um, in particular, you guys can't do the firearms. You guys have to, well, you can't do firearms, but it's a shotgun. There's no, there's no rifle. So that's really cool. That's, that's awesome. I wish there was, I wish we had 10 times more bow hunters than we do. I think the world would be a happier place. Yeah. People really jump on that pretty, cause it's not just, you know, you'd sight in a gun and you shoot something at a hundred yards, you know, that doesn't even know you're there. You know, it's, it's, it's more personal and like, getting there's no age limit to to bow hunting if you're older turn down your poundage shoot a heavier arrow like my buddy that uh i started i got him hunting two years ago he's like 60s and he saw that i was doing it it was one of my students i was trained i was doing personal training with him at the time and he saw that i was doing it and he's like i want to get into that so i was like all right, cool. I'll bring it to the shop. You know, we'll get you, we'll get you set up. You don't have to buy like a $1,500 bow, a thousand dollar bow. You can buy something off the used bow rack off. Like I did off of Craigslist, you know, just make sure you know what you're buying. Make sure you know the draw leg. Exactly. (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing, you know, I do now, but I I didn't know my, the thing is that I knew like I took my own measurements and got it wrong. You know, I don't know what I did wrong at the time, but like my bro, I forgot it was like a, a Hoyt Nitrum 30 or something like that. And it, I was like, I brought it to the guy and he was like, nah, you're 31. I was like, well, crap. Well, you know, so as long as you like do a little bit of research more than I did, like a week, um, you know, you don't, there's no age limit to it. Turn your poundage down. You know, you might have a bum shoulder and then that's the benefit of shooting the heavier grain arrows. Like you see things of, people shooting 30, 40 pounds, shooting 500, some grain, 600 grain arrows, blowing through deer, you know, just have good quality stuff, you know, archery stuff, you know, they, you know, I've been pumping them because I use in their stuff now. So I like, I like it. Like I don't promote things that I don't, I wouldn't use, you know, I don't, I wouldn't promote any company that I wouldn't, you know, hold up to the camera and say, I use this, I use this product every day. That's what so I always that's, say. That's yep. not my kind of thing. I'm not going to sell my soul to line my pockets. So that's my, that's my MO. That's what I do in fighting. I don't put anything on my fight shorts or my banner that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't do, you know? So, you know, just get out there and try it. If you really, if that's something you want to do, 
just sometimes you just got to hold your nose and jump into it. You know, just be smart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sean, that is fantastic advice. I appreciate it. We're going to wrap up today's episode of the Average Jack Archie podcast with that excellent piece of advice. Again, if you want to be part of the podcast, hit me up at AverageJackArchie at gmail.com. Sean, where can people find you on social media? Um, so on Instagram, I am Teed MMA, um, T-E-E-D-M-M-A. So it's pretty easy. Um, I mean, if you do Twitter, I'm just Teed on Twitter. I have a four-letter Twitter. So uh, <laughs> I don't do much on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, uh, it's not for me. But like Instagram and uh, yeah. So, you know, if you have any questions about anything, anything we talked about today or it doesn't matter. I, I like to talk to people. So just hit me up, even questions, even if you're from New Jersey and you want advice on hunt, where to hunt in New Jersey, just ask me, I'm not going to say no, you know, it might take me a little bit to get to you, you know, I'm busy, sorry, but, uh, just any questions, just hit me up. It's not an issue, but I appreciate it. That's fantastic. Hope everyone at home is able to get outside, enjoy the sport of archery, archery hunting. If they so choose, definitely enjoy God's beautiful creation and we'll get to see you next time.